This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Inside the Numbers podcast. I'm your host, James Orr, and this is Inside the Numbers for Episode 6. So today we're going to walk through how we set up Norm and Norma's baseline scenario. This is the scenario where they're going to be investing in stocks only, no real estate at all. And so I'm just going to find the episode. I've got a bunch of them in the account for all the different episodes that are upcoming. And I'm just going to click into it. I'm going to walk you through exactly how we set this up, what we use for all the assumptions, so that you can copy it to your own account and adjust any of the assumptions we made to better fit your specific personal situation. So the first thing is we uh, have the scenario. You can copy this right to your own account and just edit along as we go. The scenario name doesn't matter. We named it uh, Episode 6, Norm and Norma all stocks, no real estate. That's really just for our own use. You could use whatever you want there. We're modeling this for 720 months. So we put 720 there, that's 60 years. You can put the names of the people in here. We didn't do that in this case. It doesn't really get used right now. Eventually it'll be used in some other things, but uh, so it's sort of a placeholder, but it's not really used right now. So we use the effective income tax rate. We clicked on this link below this to kind of put in how much money they were making. They're making $72,000 a year combined as a married couple. And it tells us the effective income tax rate for both the uh, city and for both the federal and state. And so we have that number there. It's 17.85% for their particular income level. So go ahead and check it for your state and your city just in case it's slightly different. And for your income in case it's different, then go ahead and adjust it. This is primarily used when we figure out how much the depreciation tax is, like uh, the, the depreciation benefit when you buy rental property. So in this case, it's really not being used directly here. The inflation rate, we're using 3%. When we do the advanced modeling, this is one of the numbers that becomes variable. Uh, right now, in our as I record this, we're in a period of high inflation. And so th these numbers can change over time. And so we've used 3% here for the duration of the 60 years that we're doing the modeling for this. But in the advanced modeling, we make this variable to see what the impact of inflation would have. But for now, we're using 3%. The mortgage interest rate, although they're not getting any mortgages, we've set this at 5.5. This would be used if we were doing any cash out refinances using rules that do automatic cash out refinances. But in this case, it's really not relevant because they're not buying any properties in this particular scenario. The minimum target monthly income in retirement is the amount of money that Norm and Norma would need to make in order to be considered to be financially independent. This is the amount of money that they need to be producing from their passive income, like their Social Security, their pensions, their annuities, uh, any cash flow net after all expenses on any rental properties that they have, uh, and also the any money that they have invested uh, times whatever the safe withdrawal rate that they've set below. So all three of those combined would need to e equal this number adjusted for inflation. So it's going to automatically adjust for inflation. So really, since they're making $72,000 a year, that's about $6,000 a month, but they're saving about $1,000 a month in order for them to be financially independent. I'm using that in quotes. 
they would need to be generating the amount of money that they're living off of. So they're earning $6,000, they're saving $1,000, so really they're living off of $5,000 a month. So in order for them to be considered financially independent, we would use this minimum target monthly income of $5,000 a month in order to do that. And then we kind of have a chart that shows you how close to the goal of achieving that $5,000 a month adjusted up for inflation that they are um, kind of working toward that they've achieved so far over time. And you'll see those in the scenarios in the uh, kind of like episodes that we do. So $5,000 a month is what we set there. And then we said, look, that's their kind of minimum. That's what they've been living at. But in order to live a better lifestyle, what their ideal lifestyle would be, for them, they've said it's going to be $10,000 a month. And so we've set 10000 as just the ideal. There's a separate chart that shows you how close you are to achieving this ideal number. It's just another goal that we've set. Then this option here is whether or not to adjust the minimum target monthly income, the MTMIR, or the ideal target monthly income in retirement, ITMIR, when their owner-occupant mortgage is paid off. Since in this case, they're not buying any properties, owner-occupant or rental, it doesn't matter. But I have it set up that it would adjust it. And what this would do is it says, look, they need to make $5,000 a month in order to be considered financially independent. And that would include a payment on a mortgage. However, once their mortgage gets paid off, they no longer have that principal and interest part of that payment. So the, the, the payment on the loan for their mortgage, the one that they're living in, goes away. They still have taxes, they still have insurance, they still have maintenance on the property. But in this case, that principal and interest part of the payment would go away. So really, in order to be considered financially independent, they may not need to have the full $5,000 anymore. And this toggle would select whether or not we drop that $5,000 by whatever their mortgage payment was once it gets paid off or we just leave it alone. So we have it set up so that we go ahead and adjust it when the mortgage is paid off, but you could just as easily say, nope, you know, I still want them earning 5,000, I still want me earning $5,000 a month. I'm gonna just go ahead and leave that alone. But for now, we're gonna keep it as yes, even though in this case, it doesn't matter because they don't have a mortgage at all. We're basically assuming they're renting for the entire time. Then we set up what their yearly safe withdrawal rate. This is the amount of the percentage of the money that they have invested that they believe they can withdraw safely without the risk of running out of money uh, at any point in their retirement. It's a guess because we really don't know what the future is going to hold. And so for them, they think, you know, based on the Trinity study, the, the 4% safe withdrawal rule, they're saying we think 4% seems to be pretty safe for us. And so they're going to go ahead and use 4%. Some people would believe you should be more conservative, you know, somewhere around 3% or 3.5% or 3.3%. Uh, some people think that you can go up higher than 4%, you know, 5% or 6%. Uh, but I personally think it's probably a little bit less than 4% for me. And they're using 4% that they want to use that. You can adjust it to whatever you want here and then rerun the scenario yourself. This is just a description. It's just for you, a spot for you to keep notes about what you're doing and how you have the scenario set up. It's not really used in the software itself. It's just kind of a description for you. It shows up in your summary. Uh, if anytime you put a little asterisk in front of something, it'll make a bullet point for you in the description itself. So this just shows you kind of what their situation is. And I wrote a little detail about what their kind of uh, background information is. And then if you had the ability to run Monte Carlo scenarios in your account, this is where you would do it. Um, you probably won't have it because it's a paid feature but we have it set up so only run one run. And then you can decide whether or not you wanna share this scenario with someone else or keep it private or keep it so that only people with a special link with your password embedded in it, not your whole account password, but the account password to access this particular scenario. And so you can decide anyone can view it. So anyone with this link or this link can actually view your, your kind of setup here for this particular thing, or only people with a link, if you click this, it'll add a password to this, a random password uh, that 
you'll have there. And if you ever need to reset it, you just got to go back here and reset it again. And then only you. So this, this, if you have this on here, no one else can see your thing unless they're completely logged into your account with your username and your password that you give them, which I don't recommend you do. So accounts, in this case, they're starting with the default cash account that exists in every single one. Then we have this all-in-one account. The all-in-one account uh, tells you that they're starting with $10,000 initially. It's earning 8% per year. It's invested in stocks and it exists for the entire scenario. We can click in there and see what the details are. We name it whatever we want. In this case, I'm calling it the all-in-one account just to simplify the modeling. Instead of having you know, three different bank accounts, a savings account, checking account, and then their stock brokerage account, we said, look, you know, we're going to simplify this whole thing and say all their money is going into one pot. We're assuming the whole pot is earning 8%. Maybe it's really earning 85 but, you know, 10 thousand dollars of it is in a much lower yield account when they start getting some significant money in there but really the thinking is to simplify our modeling we're just using one account you can set up multiple accounts if you want to but we chose to do it simple this way and so we can call this whatever you want i'm calling it an all-in-one account just to make it simple i'm saying the opening account balance is ten thousand dollars that's how much they're starting with if you're starting with more or less you put that in there and then whatever you believe the yearly rate of return is for this particular account this is another one of those fields that will become variable when we do the advanced modeling for the advanced podcast episodes. So right now it's 8% and it's fixed for the entire 60 years. But when we do the advanced modeling, this becomes variable. I think we vary it between negative 16% per year and positive 32% with an average of about 8% and a, a standard deviation of about eight points as well. So right now it's saying 8%. And then you can adjust what you're investing this in. This is really just for you when you look at your asset allocation charts. But for this case, she's investing, uh, Norm and Norma, I should say, are investing in stocks. And so we have it just set the stock so that it shows up that way in the asset allocation chart. Then this also shows you what scenarios this shows up in uh, and what properties that it gets used by. So it kind of gives you an idea for there. All right, so that's the account setup. Let's talk about properties. There are none. So basically, this is a really simple one. There are no properties uh, for this particular uh, setup. So there's nothing to do here. The last section is gonna be rules. And what we did with the rules is a little bit different than what we did with Andrea. And I think it's the way that some of you will wanna set up your scenarios. Although for the most part, I probably wouldn't personally do it this way just because it adds a little bit of extra overhead. But there are times when you'd wanna set it up this way. So what we decided to do is we separated out Norm and Norma into two individual people with their own rules. So for example, we have a paycheck rule for Norm's job income just for norm and we also have a paycheck and personal expenses rule for norma's income and so these two rules are very very similar uh, except one of them is for norm one of them is for norma for now they're exactly the same but you could if you were copying this to your own account and you and your spouse wanted to set this up differently you could have a job for john and a job for jane and you could decide you know jobs john's job that's <laughs> a tongue twister John's job uh, earns $5,000 a month and Jane's job earns $7,000 a month. And you can go ahead and model it that way so that if Jane wants to stop working or John wants to stop working, you don't have to just stop the rule and start a completely new one. You can just say, look, John's earning this amount of money for this entire time. And then Jane's earning this money for this amount of time and they could be different. So let's look at one of them because they're the same. So it's really no reason to look at both of them, but we just kind of put down the same assumptions here. So it runs for the entire scenario. And this is just a, a, a way for us to define what it is. So it's use whatever you want here, your name and job income or your name and side hustle or whatever you're doing for your income. Uh, what scenario it applies for. In this case, we're applying it to episode six scenario. 
the account that we deposit the paycheck to. So it's we're depositing it to that all in one account. You're gonna make sure you set up to that. And then if we had personal expenses, which we don't in this particular rule, but if you did have personal expenses, what account do you wanna withdraw the personal expenses from? In this case, we've set it up to all in one account as well, even though it's gonna be zero. And then for paycheck, we assume that each of them, they're recent college graduates, they're working their uh, technology job for a healthcare company. And so each of them earns $3,000 a month. And so Norm's account has $3,000 a month for a paycheck and Norma's has $3,000 a month for a paycheck. And then, so we put them 3,000 right here. And then for the stop paycheck at retirement, so there are some types of income that don't go away with when you hit retirement. Or maybe you wanna work for a certain period of time, even though you've kind of met the definition of retirement. But in this case, we said, look, once they reach financial independence, go ahead and have them stop working this job so that they can live off their investments. And that's this button right here. So it says stop paycheck at retirement. This sets the paycheck to zero when you achieve 100% of your safe withdrawal rate cash flow toward monthly retirement goal in this area. So we go ahead and check that on or off. In this case, we left it on so that they stop working once they reach their minimum target monthly income and retirement goal. We separate we we separate out the rules of income and expenses here so that we can stop the uh, income one and leave the expenses in place. And so in this case, I've set the personal expenses to zero, and we have the paycheck at three thousand dollars. So we'll use a different rule here in a second to do personal expenses. And then this is a dollar adjustment if they're buying the owner-occupant property. This is the amount that they're paying for rent. So this would go away when a new mortgage comes on, and then we would have that. But in this case, we're not doing any new mortgages. And in this case, we're setting it up so that the expenses are in a different rule. So it's zero for those both those reasons. And this is not used a lot. Basically, you, you know if you're renting, if you're buying a house. And so we, we don't use this rule. We don't use this part of the rule very often. And then this is whether or not we want to adjust the paycheck and the personal expenses uh, and the adjustment amount right here for inflation over time. And so we do want to do that. We want them to get regular raises for this $3,000 from their job. And so we want to make sure that this box for inflation adjusted is checked. And in that case, this $3,000 will go up each month with inflation a little tiny bit so that it's going up about 3% per year total. And then we want to subtract out the taxes from this three thousand dollars that they're earning. So we went, we looked up that tax thing again. It's the same number that we have before, seventeen point eight five. And so that will be subtracting that from their income. So it just does a little math check down here for you: three thousand dollars times one minus seventeen point eight five over hundred minus zero dollars in their personal expenses. So this is the amount they should be netting each month into that account. Okay, so that's the rule. You make sure you save it if you're making any changes to it. And so those rules are identical for norm and norma. You can see all of them are basically the same. And then this next one here is gonna be personal living expenses. And instead of doing two different personal living expenses for norm and norma, we said, look, they've got shared living expenses. So we're gonna just do one rule for both of them. So in this case, we combine them and we did personal living expenses for both. It applies this to this particular scenario. It's uh, if they had a paycheck associated with this, it would go into that all-in-one account, but this is only the expenses part of it. And then they're withdrawing from their personal expense account from that all-in-one account. Their paycheck, we're doing zero because we have paychecks in a different rule for them. We don't have it stopping at retirement because there's no income there to begin with. And then their personal expenses. Between the two of them, they're spending $3,930 a month on personal expenses. 
And then if they did actually buy a house, which they're going to in the next episode, one of the things we're going to do there is we're going to have them buy an owner-occupant property and see what impact that has. But if they did buy a property, they would reduce their personal expenses by 1800 but then they would have a mortgage and taxes and insurance and all that other stuff associated with the property. So those would then take the place of this $1,800. And I'll talk to you more about that in the other episodes. But for now, realize that if they did buy a property, this is the amount of rent that would be removed as a personal expense. So it'd be this 3930 minus 1800. And then we'd have whatever was left over minus housing. And then we would add housing by having the actual mortgage for the property associated with that. And then we are adjusting these expenses up with inflation. So this 3930 goes up 3% per month. It's not 3% per month. It's 3% per year, but it's adjusted monthly. So it's really like one twelfth ish. It does some compounding. So that it works out to be an exact 3% per year, but it's about 3% per year on a monthly basis that adjusts. And that's just like the paycheck. So the paychecks and the personal expenses both adjust that way. And since there's no income, we don't have to worry about a tax rate here because you're not taxed on the personal expenses part of it. So now it shows you that the personal expenses are minus 39.30. One thing I did want to point out to you is if you're ever wondering like what the difference between the income and expenses are um, on the scenario itself on this page, when you look at this, it does show you approximately how much you're saving in month two. So it gives you a really rough idea of approximately how much you're saving from your income, from your job, minus your personal expenses. And the reason we do month two is when you buy a property in month one, a lot of times we do modeling where we do a, a purchase in month one, a lot of times that month you have a abnormally low um, expense from your property because you don't have a mortgage payment the first month that you buy a property. You basically get a month to live in the property. And then at the end of that month, then you have a certain amount of interest due. And so the payment you make the next month after you live in a property is really for the interest that was earned while you live there. You're basically paying your mortgage in arrears. So this, this, for that reason, we kind of look at month two, because otherwise month one would always be a little wacky if you're buying a property in month one. And you rarely buy a property in month two, usually either buying it month one or sometime down the line. So it just gives you a rough idea. And of course, you can look at the chart to see this too. If, if we click in here, you can see the charts of how much you have saved, and it will show you that chart over time. Okay. Back in to continue with rules. Kind of took a little tangent there. So going through these rules again, these were the two for their uh, incomes. This was their personal expenses. And then we have two different Social Security incomes that are coming in. These are passive income rules, and it's norm Social Security beginning at age 67 and norma Social Security beginning at age 67. And so they're both identical. I'll click in there, and I'll show you the difference. Um, so it starts in month 552 when they turn 67. So we assume that they're starting in their age 21. So we model this showing that this 552 months later, they start collecting this Social Security payment at that time. And we do zero here because it never ends. But if we only wanted to run this for you know 12 months or 24 months, you can go ahead and figure out what that is to do that when you want it to end. In this case, we're doing zero because it never ends. So we just call this whatever we want. This is Norm's Social Security 867. You can call it. It doesn't really matter. It's really just for you. And then what, what, uh, what scenario does this rule apply to? And then what account do we deposit that passive income to? We're doing it into that all-in-one account. And then how much money? So we went and looked up online. I just went to a website that estimates how much Social Security will be for somebody. And we estimated it to be, if they worked from now until age 67, there would be $15.53 per month. And we do adjust that for inflation. So basically, Social Security does get... Um, adjusted for inflation. And so we go ahead and adjust it this way. You could decide to put in whatever you think it's going to be in the future. 
based on what you think inflation is going to be. And you could turn this off to not have it adjust there. And then we've already adjusted what the taxes would be for them based on that. And so you can go ahead and look up what it was. We use 18.06 because they'll have income coming in from other things as well. So we estimate it to be a little bit higher. And then that's it. And so there's two of those rules. They're identical. Um, basically shows you the same amounts here. And that IA shows that it's adjusted for inflation. And it's coming out of that all-in-one account. And then this is what the uh, scenario that it's applied to. And it shows you when it starts and when it runs through and then what the tax rate was on it. So it tries to summarize. It does that with every rule. It tries to summarize like what the, the, the kind of variables are inside. So you don't have to go in and look. Of course, you can go in and, and modify stuff, but that does it. So those are the only rules they have. They have two income rules, one personal expense rule, and then these two passive income rules that go in there. And so basically, once you run the scenario, then you can go um, over to the scenario itself and you can look at uh, any of the charts for that particular scenario. You click on the chart button and you can drill down into any of these charts below. You could see uh, any of these things. So any of these, we just click on, it will show you the chart for that. Uh, a lot of them are real estate related. So in, in this case, since they don't have any real estate, that would not apply to them. But that's how it all works. And then, of course, if you wanted to, you could also look at the um, the account ledgers for the accounts. If you wanted to see, like, what money's coming in and, and where it's going, we do keep an account ledger for you where you could see exactly what the income expenses were and the return from the stock market, all that other stuff right there for you. So that's it. That's the uh, episode and how we set up this particular scenario for Norm and Norma. A very simple one of them just investing in the stock market. There's not a lot going on, but we will be adding to this as we add in that they're going to be buying properties and buying you know, 20, 20% down, 25% down, 15% down, nomading, paying off properties early. Those will all come in future episodes. We plan on doing a wide range of scenarios for this particular group because I think this is a common situation. Some people start off with a little bit of money and they got jobs and they're saving, and then they want to know how quickly they can get to financial independence. And then you'll be able to come in here and make a copy of this to your own account and change any of the assumptions to do your own modeling with your own situation. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner Inside the Numbers podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.